Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host, Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for tonight's very special episode of TCCP is none other than up-and-coming Northamptonshire leg spinner, Alex Russell. So Alex, first things first, mate, absolutely wonderful to get here on the podcast for a chat about all things county cricket and, of course, leg spin bowling. I've got to ask, mate, how's your day been so far? Yeah, uh, good day so far. Um, got back quite late last night from Cardiff. I had a 50-over game and then uh, had a line this morning and drove back, drove back home to Gloucester. So pretty uneventful day, I would say, so far. Uh, yeah, just got my feet up as we speak. Deserved as well. It's been a pretty long season, hasn't it? Lots of formats, yeah. lots of cricket going on. Obviously, a very busy time of the year. And I've got to ask, actually, before we get into our chat, Alex, in terms of the body, how, how is the body at the moment? You're feeling a bit fatigued, tired, because there has been a lot of cricket, hasn't there, in the past few weeks? Yeah, to be fair, I'm actually feeling I'm feeling okay. Um, not I've not actually played a great deal of cricket um, over this last month or so. Um, I've been in the squad uh, pretty much every every first team game this year, but I've not not played as much as I probably would have liked. So um, actually feeling feeling pretty fresh, to be fair. Um, had a lot of training and stuff, but yeah, so body's body's feeling pretty fresh actually. Oh, that's good to hear. Just in time for Super September as well, isn't it? Yeah. The yeah. <laughs> the run in for the end of the season, which yeah. to be honest is going to be absolute chaos, isn't it? Let's face it, in the county yeah. championship and. Yeah, cannot wait to to watch those last four rounds. They're going to be absolutely incredible. But Alex, before we jump the gun and we discuss the near future and, of course, the future beyond that, I just wanted to transport you all the way back to the origins of your cricketing story, if I may. So where does the Alex Russell cricket journey begin? What were your first ever memories of cricket, either playing or watching this simply sensational game? Uh, I'd say probably my first... My first memory of cricket would be probably with my granddad. Um, so my my dad and my granddad both cricket fans. Probably my granddad um, when I was really young, sort of going to local playing field with him, uh, him just teaching me sit like just how to bat and bowl, teaching me like the rules of cricket and stuff like that. Um, so that'd be like my first memory. And then obviously through that, started playing for my local my local club side in, in Gloucester. Um, Probably, I reckon I would have been about eight or nine. Probably when I first first started playing cricket. Um, so that my earliest memory would be just my granddad and my dad taking me to local local field and just playing with a tennis ball, literally just teaching me <laughs> teaching me how to bowl, teaching me how to bat. So yeah, so that, that's probably my first first memory of cricket. Well, I tell you what, it's a lovely route into the game, isn't it? That family yeah. connection with your dad and your granddads. It's always lovely to hear on the podcast. It's always wonderful to hear that as a fan of the game the fact that it does transcend generations doesn't it and the fact that that stoked the the fire the love of this wonderful game and in those early years obviously aside from your dad and your granddad who would have been massive inspirations because they got you into the game in the first place what about in the the wider world of cricket Alex did you have any role models any icons any idols or influences who you looked up to in those early years per se because were you always looking at leg spin bowling or did you want to be a batter or a bowler? What did an Al- a young Alex Russell aspire to be in those early days? Yeah, it was definitely, definitely always leg spin, like from, from the start. Um, probably my, my, my early eyes, obviously Shane Warne, like still to this day, he's, he's the man that I sort of look up to, try and like build my game around, watch lots of videos in bowling. Um, 
so he he was he was probably the one like even from the start really just watching videos of him on youtube and stuff like that and even even to this day like i still do that i still i still watch as much of him as i can like he was like the obvious obvious sort of one that i looked up to i think even from real early age just trying to copy copy his action in the garden whatever like so he, he yeah he was definitely definitely the one for me that i looked up to well, he's a wonderful choice, isn't he? Uh, and sorely missed by all of us in the world of cricket. Yeah. The great Shane Warne, 708 test wickets, an absolute magician when it came to the art of leg spinners. Uh, I've got to ask this question, Alex, because we did have a chat beforehand about being cricket badgers, right? Yeah. I've, I've got to ask this question, though, but what do you say is your favourite Shane Warne delivery of all time? Because there's quite an obvious one, isn't there, to Mike Gatting, the ball of the century, the one which everyone discusses, but... Would that be your favourite one, or was there another one which maybe stands out per se? Yeah, that's yeah, that one. That one's got to be up there. I'd say he bowled he bowled a ball to Shandapal in Australia uh, into the rough around the wicket, which is just it just ragged square. Like I've never seen a ball spin like that before. So I'd say probably be between those two, um, between the one he bowled to Gatting, obviously probably like the greatest ball. But that that one he bowled against the West Indies in Australia, just like landed in the rough and but I think it landed in the wide rough and bowled him leg stump trying to cut it like unbelievable ball. Just probably those two would be my two my two favourite balls that he bowled. I would say excellent choices. And I tell you what, there's so many to choose from, aren't there? Yeah. When it comes to Shane Warne's bowling, I mean, he had a couple of great ones against Andrew Strauss. Strauss did turn into a bit of a bunny for yeah. Shane Warne over the years, yeah. but. Yeah. I'll tell you what, it was just great bowling and he was just a wonderful character, wasn't he? Shane Warne, as I said, deeply missed in the game of cricket, but his memory lives on and it always will do, won't it? 708 test wickets, countless memories and countless generations of cricket fans have been inspired by the great man's bowling. So I'm really glad to hear that, Alex. And in terms of the dark arts of leg spin bowling, let's discuss that in a bit more detail because even though I'm an off spinner or maybe to put it more correctly, a slow bowler, right? <laughs> I do have a fascination with leg spin because in terms of the biomechanics, the human body isn't even meant to generate leg spin, right? In terms of the shoulder movements, they're completely unnatural. So yeah. it, it's quite incredible that this art form even exists in the first place. So I've got to ask, why leg spin? Why did Alex Russell not want to become a seamer or a keeper or an off spinner? It's, um, <laughs> it's a bit of a funny story, actually. So um, my dad, so my dad bowled off spin, and uh, he, I asked, was trying to learn what my dad bowled, and he he showed me how to bowl off spin. And uh, first time I tried to bowl off spin, I bowled leg spin like by accident, like just completely like by accident. Um, and and he was just like, yeah, keep doing that, I reckon. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I ended up basically just bowling leg spin by accident, I suppose, trying to bowl off spin. Um, and and so I, I literally just stuck with it from there because he he obviously saw something there and was like yeah I reckon I reckon you keep doing that rather than being off spinner. Um, so yeah, that's that's actually how I initially started bowling leg spin. Um, was like yeah, tried tried to bowl like seam when I first started, couldn't do that. Tried off spin, couldn't do that, but ended up bowling leg spin. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of how it started. Bit of a bit of a weird way starting to bowl leg spin I suppose it is it's a very unorthodox route into leg spin bowling but 
It's funny because on the podcast beforehand, I've actually discussed this with a couple of leg spin bowlers, and they started off as seamers, and their natural their natural delivery, I suppose, was a leg cutter. So yeah. they just went from same bowling to bowling leg spin, which, it, when you think about it, is actually quite it's quite reasonable. It's quite a plausible thing to do. But yeah, I always find that absolutely fascinating. So you you wanted to be an off spinner, but just bowled leg spin. That's quite incredible, yeah. actually. And <laughs> yeah. here we are, all these years later, professional cricketer as a leg spinner. Goodness yeah. me, it's funny how how life works out, isn't it? And in terms of the art form itself, what is your favourite delivery to bowl, Alex? Because as a leg spinner. You've got some cracking ones at your disposal, haven't you? Obviously, you've got the, the textbook leg break. You've got the wrong gun. You've got the flipper. You've got the top spinner. What is your favourite delivery to bowl as a leggy? For me, it would be stock ball, leg spinner, loads of revs on it, try and get some shape on it, bit of drift. Like that's, I was trying to pride myself on being able to spin the ball a lot. Um, so, yeah, my, 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 my favourite ball to bowl would, just, would definitely be that, like my stock leg spinner try and rag it as far as I can. That's kind of what I pride myself on as a as a bowler really. Um so yeah that that that's gotta be my favourite ball, I would say. Fair enough. Your stock one, it's the most important one, isn't it? At the yeah. end of the day, it's the one that you do have to nail as yeah. a leg spin bowler. And in terms of dismissals, I think I know the answer to this to be honest, because most spinners do say this, but what is your favourite method of dismissal as a leggy? Oh, for me, ball, ball top of off for me, you know, trying to beer drifting, ball top of off. Whenever I get one of them, it's probably, you probably get two or three a year in a game, I reckon, and that those are always ones that you look back on the clip and screen record the clip and save it to your camera roll. Um, yeah, so that, that's, that's, that'd be my favourite. Fair enough. Yeah. It is the classic, isn't it, to be honest, yeah. because you make people look foolish and you almost <laughs> do look magical in a way, don't you? To be honest, when you can do that, because <laughs> there is just something mysterious about yeah. the leg break, which just comes back and, as you so eloquently put it, rag square, because that's yeah. a great way of, of, of describing it, to be honest. It it just turns absolute miles. And in terms of leg spin as a as an art form, again, what brings Alex Russell back year in, year out? What 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 is it about this art form? What is it about this discipline in the game of cricket, which made you fall in love with it, I suppose, Alex? Yeah, it's it's hard. Like leg leg spin's hard. Like when you have a bad day, it's a really really bad day. Um, but uh, the thing is with it, when you have a good day, it you know it, it's an unbelievable feeling. I mean, one of my coaches said to me once that the leg spin will probably bowl the best ball of the day and probably the worst ball of the day every time you bowl. Um, but I think it's the fact that when when you get it right, you you know the damage you can cause in in any format you can you know go you can five five for 20 pretty pretty quickly you know if you get it right um so that's that's what keeps me keeps me you know i guess motivated to keep working hard and keep bowling it um is it you know when you're having a good day it's going to be a good day um yeah just i i think just the 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 wicket taking ability a leg spinner can have when they're bowling well and spinning the ball um obviously being able to spin the ball both ways um you feel like you can get any batter out when you're bowling well um and you feel like you can probably spin the ball on most surfaces when you're bowling well as well so i think that's probably the main the main thing for me that keeps me motivated and wants me to have more better days like that i would say probably well that's a cracking answer to be honest and i love that description you're a game changer aren't you as a leg spinner you are almost an x-factor option at your your captain's disposal because as you said it doesn't matter about the surface 
you're always in the game because you can spin it past both edges. You can yeah. bring in those those edges. You can bring in the boulders to dismiss all the LBW stumpings, for example. You're constantly in the game. And you mentioned there about being tonked or, or hit abouts at times, Alex. I did just want to ask this because I wanted to get a greater insight into your psyche, I suppose, when you're out there on the field. But let's say that things aren't going great, right? And as a leg spinner, the spotlight is very much on you because, as we've been discussing, you are seen as the, the wicket-taking option, aren't you? And if all of a sudden you're going at 10, 11, 12 runs and over, the pressure really does build on you very quickly. So in terms of those days, in terms of those games when things aren't necessarily coming out of the hand correctly, and maybe you are going for a bit of runs, how do you stay focused in the game and maintain your cool and composure in the heat of battle? Yeah, it's hard. It's definitely hard, especially like at this level of cricket, the quality of batters you're bowling to week in week out is it's it's hard you know that if you're not bowling well you know whereas uh, lower levels of cricket you cannot bowl well and still get away with it whereas this level you can't um which is hard i think for me it, i was trying to stay in the mindset that i'm only like one ball away from getting myself back in the game you know if i'm going for a few runs i think right i'm only one one chance away from getting myself back into the game um and i've always kind of seen myself as a bowler that when i get one wicket I like to think I go on and get two or three. Um, so I always think I just need that first. Even if I'm going at tens, I'm like, I just need that first wicket. And then I can, I, I back myself to get a few more. And, you know, when it, when a new batter comes in. Um, but obviously it doesn't always play out of that. It's hard. Um, especially, yeah, the, the quality of batters that you bowl to every week at this level. If you're not right there, it's it's hard work for sure. I can imagine it is because, as you said, you've got international quality players in county cricket. And if you miss your line or your length even slightly, yeah. it's not going for one or two, is it? It's going for four or six. Most yeah. times, let's face it, probably six in particular yeah. in yeah. limited overs format. So it is a delicate balancing act, isn't it, in terms of, of the way in which you approach the professional game at times as a leg spinner? Because, yes, you want to be in the game constantly. Yes, you want to take those wickets. But at the same time, it's the... The cost benefit, isn't it? When yeah. you think about it, you've got to weigh up those options and and really think on your feet as a leg spinner. And that's why I think it's a wonderful art form in the game because I always liken the two. You've got Seam, which is the rock and roll star, but then you've got the chess player, which is yeah. the spin bowler. Yeah. They're the more methodical one. They're the tactician. It's that game of cat and mouse. And that's what always fascinates me about spin bowling as an art form. So we'll have to pick up that discussion in a bit, Alex, when we talk about your highlights and maybe the tougher moments in county cricket. But it's just wonderful to hear someone so passionate and, and someone who loves so much about leg spin. It, it really is. And again, if you are a young leg spinner, just keep at it because you can be a game changer. You can take those key wickets. You can get those massive breakthroughs. And it's definitely worth it, isn't it, to be a leg spinner at the professional level? Yeah, 100%. Like, as I said, like the rewards when you do get it right, you know that you. It, I it, I always say that like I feel like if you can get on a roll as a, as a leg spinner, you you're massively in the game. Like new batters coming in, you got the ability to spin it both ways. You're never a million miles away from from having a good day. Um, if if you you got that mental toughness, like you know you're gonna go for runs, you know you're gonna bowl bad balls. That's just part of leg spin bowling, like every leg spinner does. Even like Shane Warne did. So you just got to accept that that there are gonna be days where you are going to go for runs, but if you can stick a couple of wickets on it, it makes your figures look a lot better, for sure. It certainly does. And again, captains love leg spinners, don't they? 
let's face it, it's it is the dark arts when it comes to to bowling. So yeah, just stick at it. I think that'd be my advice. And obviously, Alex, we'll we'll pick up that discussion in in due course because, as I said, we've got quite a lot to discuss when it comes to the mysterious arts of leg spin yeah. bowling. But yeah. I just wanted to to bring the conversation back on track to your county cricket journey, if I may, because you've had a very interesting route into the county circuit. So as we speak now at Northamptonshire, but your county journey didn't start at Northants, did it? It didn't start a wanted road. It started with Gloucestershire. So I wanted to ask, how did that opportunity materialise in the first place? So, yes, obviously started at, started at Gloucestershire, um, doing like the county age group stuff, um, and then went on, sort of played, started playing second team cricket when I was about 16. Um, was quite involved in like the first team squad, like did a lot of training with the first team squad, played, uh, played in the first team in a pre-season game when I was 16. Um, and then basically just as, as things went on, um, didn't get too many opportunities there. Um, and then got to 18, I think, and I, I, I got released. Um, and then from there, trialled around in county second team cricket. I played a few games for Essex. And then end of that season, so the season I'd been released, um, Northants got in contact with me. So I knew Chris Little, the bowling coach from Gloucestershire, um, played club cricket with him. He captained me in my, some of my first second team games. And he just got in contact with me, asked me to come in and bowl, bowl at the lads uh, over the course of the winter. Um, bowl, bowl quite nicely at them and then got asked to play the first second team game of the year um, last year. First game took Pfeiffer, and then um, before that game was finished, they offered me a like a short term contract, um, just to basically from there on to the end of the blast, um, the T Twenty comp, um, and then played a game, played a game in T Twenty comp, and then after that, they offered me a like a full full deal. So, yeah, that's kind of how it happened with with North Ants, really. So again, everything kind of came quite quickly, didn't it? Yeah. From those yeah. from those days in in the Gloucestershire Academy, and before we discuss Northants, because we'll touch upon that in a lot more detail in just a, a few minutes' time, Alex. But in terms of your time at Gloucestershire, how would you describe your time with the West Country outfit? Because even though it didn't materialise into a full time contract, that was your first experience of county cricket, as you mentioned, playing second eleven cricket, being in that academy setup. How useful was that time at Gloucestershire in terms of your development, not just as a player, but I suppose as a person as well. Yeah, it was good. I mean, obviously, we're surrounded by a lot of very good players, a lot of very experienced players, some experienced spinners as well, um, which, which was really good learning for me. Um, found it quite frustrating at times. Um, felt like I probably wasn't getting getting rewarded too much for my performances, um, which was frustrating. And I kind of kind of felt that like there wasn't really ever going to be too much of a route for me in. Um, because I, I did quite well when I was 16, 17, and then sort of didn't really get too many opportunities after that. Um, so it, it, it was frustrating time, but there's a lot of players there that I learned I learned a lot of. Like obviously, I was lucky to be surrounded by some really good good players there, some good um, some good like role models as professional cricketers for sure, um, and some, some really good spinners to learn off as well, some experienced spinners, which I was able to spend obviously quite a lot of time with. And... Um, and also some good coaches there um, that that helped me a lot as well. So um, a lot of learning 
came from like my time there for sure um yeah uh, just lot lots of learning lots of good players around me which definitely contributed to me obviously where i am now for sure i would say it always helps doesn't it when you've got those experienced heads those those mentors i suppose and uh, i'll tell you what the gloucestershire academy really has produced some good cricketers in recent years yes. haven't they with the price <laughs> brothers you look at ben wells now who's absolutely crushing it in the one day cup i mean they have got quite a good setup down in the southwest of England. And in terms of those learnings and in terms of that developmental stage of your career, Alex, what do you say was the biggest learning lesson from your time with Gloucestershire? Was there something in particular which has almost resonated in the years that have followed that you've taken with you, per se? Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely learned a lot from... I mean, I played played quite a lot of second-team cricket whilst I was there, probably two or, two or three years of twos cricket. Um and learn learn a lot from that. I play obviously some of those games was playing with um, playing with Tom Smith and George Drizzle, two two sort of more experienced spinners than me, which I obviously learned a lot from. And then there were also games where I was the only spinner um, in the four day stuff. Well, what started off as three day stuff, uh, and then obviously turned into four day. Um, so different learnings there. Like obviously learned probably how to be a second spinner, and then also had to learn how to be the main spinner um, from quite a young age which was like obviously came with its challenges, but that was massive learning for me. Obviously we played against some, some some really strong second team sides back then, like second team cricket was really strong. Um, So I learned, learned a lot from that, especially the four day stuff that we played. Um, I I learned a lot. Definitely learned a lot from that. Fair enough. And again, I think that's quite a good route into the game then, isn't it? Being that sole spinner. Yes, it is almost like a, a baptism of fire at times but it, it sets you up doesn't it because professional cricket is not easy so you know you do have to have these these learning moments these these almost trials I suppose and tribulations over the course of those early stages of your journey but you know it does work out in the end and in terms of that time at Gloucestershire just in retrospect Alex how would you describe your time with the West Country outfit because yes there were learning opportunities and yes it did give you your taste of second 11 cricket but were you a bit disappointed that maybe contract didn't materialise at the club itself? Yeah, I, yeah, I was obviously pretty, pretty disappointed. Um, like I felt like, felt like I performed quite consistently for them over those years I had in, in twos cricket, um, and probably, probably felt like I had done enough. Um, so obviously, to be told that 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 I wouldn't be going any further there was difficult. Um, but at the same time, like I, I also kind of looked at it, they, they had quite an experienced side. And as I said, a few like experienced spinners, they just got um, Zaffa uh, as their overseas player as well, which was kind of obviously, even if I had got a contract there, um, I couldn't really have seen myself playing too much cricket with obviously Tom Smith and Zaffa there, um, two very good experienced spinners. So um, potentially like for my, for my development could have been a good thing, I think, um, like probably looking somewhere else where first more first team opportunities could have been available um but yeah obviously very disappointed like my home county obviously grew up grew up playing for Gloucester so it was was disappointing um when they didn't offer me anything for sure well that's completely understandable isn't it because when you have worked so hard over so many years and that contract doesn't materialize it must be a bit crushing but then at the same time you've got to pick yourself up haven't you dust yourself down and and pursue other opportunities and look at you now at Northamptonshire so it's clearly worked out hasn't it Alex and aside from Gloucestershire 
and that time in their academy setup. Just before we talk about North Ants, I wanted to touch upon another county, who aren't first class, but they also have played a massive role in your development as a professional cricketer, and that is of course Herefordshire, one of the national counties. We love giving the national counties a shout out on this podcast because so many cricketers have come up through that system. So I've got to ask in terms of, of those years, playing for Herefordshire, because from my research, you first played for them as a 16-year-old. So again, pretty early on in your cricket story. How useful, how pivotal was that time in your development as a cricketer? Yeah, Hereford were amazing, to be honest. Um, so I played I played for Hereford when I, I reckon I must have been just turned 16. So I trained with them in the winter when I was 15 and then played that season. Um, and that was before I'd played any sort of twos cricket before anything. Um, and they were brilliant. Like the went straight in, played some Red Bull stuff for them. And it was great experience. Um, obviously, minor counties cricket, well, national counties cricket now, um, extremely competitive and tough, like tough, tough cricket. So I played, playing that was like huge, huge learning for me. So I hadn't really played that any level of cricket apart from like Premier League club cricket up until that point. Um, so yeah, I just remember my first few games for them and, and obviously seeing what that level was like as a young lad was, was, was tough, but they were amazing. Like they gave me loads of opportunities. Um, they were quite accommodating with Gloucestershire as well. Obviously sometimes I wouldn't have been available and stuff. And whenever I was, they always put me in. Um, they, they played like a massive part. And then obviously when I got released by Gloucester um, to play the, the full season, pretty much for them as well. Um, probably helped me get some opportunities elsewhere. Um, kept me playing like a good level of cricket. Yeah, they were absolutely brilliant to me, to be honest. Well, that is absolutely wonderful to hear because that's exactly what the national counties are for. It's it's to almost bridge that gap, isn't it, between second eleven and first eleven crickets. It's a higher standard than Premier League cricket, but at the same time, you mentioned it there, Alex. It's about putting yourself in the shop window. How many times have we seen players from Herefordshire? Staffordshire, Shropshire, Cheshire, wherever, who've had the opportunity which didn't quite materialise on the first go, but then they play in the national counties, they have a good season, they have a good knock, and all of a sudden they're back in county cricket. So that's why the national counties are so important. And from from that passage, it seems as though you really enjoyed your time with the with the national counties outfit. So I have to ask Alex, what was your highlight? What's your favourite moment from your time at Herefordshire? Um, there, there was a few, a few good games. Um, probably one of them I had, um, well, we had, we had one year where we got to quarterfinals of the one day comp, um, obviously Hereford being one of the smaller, smaller teams that was that. And that year we also got promoted to Div 1. Um, so that, that was, that was one of the highlights for getting promoted to Div 1. I think we were in Cornwall at the time where we got promoted to Div 1, which was pretty cool. Um, and we basically won every game that year, pretty much. And then also there was a game I think in my first my first year against Wiltshire where we um, they they were chasing something like a hundred to win um, in the last couple of sessions, like they were cruising it. And then I remember bowling, getting three like rapid wickets at the start, and then it suddenly became quite a close game. Um, and I pretty much bowled throughout throughout that day to try and win us the game. Um, which was quite quite exciting. We had me and me and an off spinner, Pete Burgoyne, who used to play for Derby, and me and him were bowling, trying to trying to win us the game. 
and um, I think they, they ended up getting it quite comfortably but there was like a little period where we both took a couple of wickets and it was quite quite fun so yeah that, that was probably the, the game probably the most fun I've had in the, in the game for Hereford but probably the highlight was, was getting promoted to Div 1 and getting to the quarters that year because obviously Hereford one of the smallest smallest minor counties like the smallest pool of players to pick from as well um, so for us to do that that year was, was pretty cool to be honest certainly was and you mentioned Herefordshire being one of the the smaller ones which probably is fair enough in comparison to to some of the bigger national counties but again I just think they they've been pivotal in quite a few players careers and one of them obviously was Chris Wokes he used to play for them so (laughs) again you've just got to take those opportunities and it's wonderful to to hear that Herefordshire had such a profound impact on your journey Alex so shout out to Herefordshire County Cricket Club Great to hear them doing so well and obviously doing exactly what they're intended to do, which is to develop that next generation and put players back in the shop window. And talking of that time then, between your release from Gloucestershire and of course your time at North Ants, Alex, how did that mater- how did th- sorry, <laughs> let me say that again. <laughs> Couldn't speak English. And talking of that time, I suppose, the, the limbo between being released from Gloucestershire. And coming back into county cricket with North Ants, what was your motivation? What motivated you to come back in county cricket? Was there something in particular, something almost which lit the fire inside and said, you know what, I'm not going to give up on this dream. I'm going to keep going at it and get back into county cricket proper. Yeah, I think there was, there was lots of factors. Like, obviously, I always wanted to be a professional cricketer and always kind of believed I was good enough. Um, I think a big thing for me was I, um, at the end of that season, I joined Swansea Creek Club, obviously born, born in Wales. Mum's side of the family is all from Wales. Um, and so I joined Swansea Cricket Club and trained with them during the winter, um, which was brilliant because they, they trained two, three times a week. Um, to a guy called Brad Wadlin, who's skipper there, um, a skipper and coach down there. And he, um, he got me involved in that. So we were training two or three times a week and I was doing some coaching as well. And that, that was massive because... Um, do, being able to do that training throughout those uh, the early stages of the winter, still being able to do that training regularly was, I think, was quite important for me. Um, and also probably showed me how much I did want to be a professional cricketer, um, having to graft indoors all winter um, to a couple of other lads and stuff. That, that probably made me realise how badly I, I did want to be a professional cricketer and also prepared me for when that opportunity with North Ants came during that winter. I, I turned up haven't been bowling for the past two months, three months. Um, whereas if I hadn't been, I would have turned up having done no bowling. So I think that that actually played a massive part for me and probably motivated me a lot. Spending time with those guys, those guys helping me out um, was 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 massive for me. So yeah, so I'd say that that probably motivated me a lot to try and uh, you know put those extra yards in to make sure that I got myself a, a contract somewhere um, and prepared me for when obviously that opportunity did did come up with North Ant. Well, let's talk about the opportunity because I've got the stats in front of me. I did my research prior to this podcast and in the 2022 second 11 county championship, 31 wickets at 25.19. Northamptonshire's leading wicket taker in the entire tournament. So I think it's safe to say, Alex, you took the opportunity with both hands when it presented itself with those, those numbers and those stats. And in terms of getting that contract, after being almost in a critting limbo, how rewarding, how satisfying was it to be offered that contract at one of the 18 first-class counties? 
yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, I felt like I felt I was relatively close. Um, I, I felt like something was going to happen because I've been in with Northampton Warwickshire over that winter, all winter, and um, I had bowled well at both of them. Um, so I, I felt like I was really, really close. And then obviously played that first twos game of the season. And yeah, when when I got the call that evening in the hotel after maybe day two or something, um, obviously Sads called me and said they were they were going to offer me a contract. It was more more relief than anything I'd say, um, just to know that I'd finally finally got a contract. Um, but yeah, I was I was over the moon, absolutely over the moon. I bet you were. And who was the first person you told after receiving that news? Well, I just called I called my old man straight away. Um, yeah, he, he he was delighted. Obviously, he, he's put a lot of time and effort into my career as well um, over the years, and I think he he was probably also relieved. But he was he was absolutely buzzing when I called him. Yeah, I, I still remember it now. Good. Uh, again, it's one of those core memories, isn't it? To be honest, yeah. it, it's retaining yeah. it's it's obtaining that first contract, and obviously, it's what everyone dreams to have. It's that opportunity to put yourself on the county stage and. Talking of that opportunity, Alex, let's discuss your Northamptonshire debut because let's just say your first wicket in county cricket was quite memorable, wasn't it? I can see the smile lighting up on your face already because we both know exactly who it was. So in terms of that night, in terms of that occasion, walking out onto that field, representing Northamptonshire County Cricket Club in the T20 Blast, what was that like? If you could sum up the feeling, the emotions surrounding that occasion, what can you remember from that debut at Emirates Old Trafford? Well, I'd been in the squad for every game of the of the T20 comp uh, so far. And I remember rocking up there and wicket was quite heavily used. Um, so I remember like arriving and thinking, oh, like, I have got a chance of playing here. And, um, and then Linny had, hurt, had had uh, a tooth problem. So I uh, had to go, had to go to the hospital. So we knew like someone was coming in and, and it was uh, probably either going to be me or Nathan Buck. Um, I remember us both just like waiting around in the warm-up, like nervously. We kept asking each other, are you playing, are you playing? Um, and then obviously Cobby and Sads came over to me and said that I, I was going to be playing. Um, and yeah, I, I just remember being pretty pretty nervous when they told me. Um, obviously Old Trafford away, Friday night under lights. So I remember being being pretty nervous. I mean, we batted first. Um I just remember the whole time just being, yeah, pretty, pretty nervous, like just sort of panicking, like walking around everywhere, like not being able to sit still. And, uh, and yeah, we knew, we knew pretty early it was probably going to be a close game as well. Um, but yeah, it was, it was unbelievable, unbelievable experience playing there. It was my first game. Just enjoyed, enjoyed every minute of it when I was on the pitch. And it turned out to be a wonderful game, didn't it? As you've just alluded to, I mean, a very, very tense affair, a two-wicket loss in the end of 40 for North. Yeah. But in that game, you did claim your maiden wickets in first 11 county cricket. And Alex, I think we both know that you know who this was. But just for the listeners out there who aren't aware who your first scalp in the T20 Blast was, which wicket did you pick up on that fateful night in Manchester? Yeah, so Liam Livingston was was my uh, my first poll, got him. Slog sweep just went straight up in the air, and um, Tom Taylor caught it on the boundary. Um, I was nervous when the ball went up in the air. I was thinking, please don't drop this. And but obviously, Tommy's Tommy's a gun fielder, so I knew he was going to catch it. Um, and yeah, I just remember the celebration was mad because it was a tight game. They weren't chasing many, 
Um, I think it, what were they chasing? Maybe like one fifty or something like that. Um, and it was Livingston and Salt were in at the time, and we we knew we had to try and break that partnership pretty early. So um, so I managed to get him. I think my, I bought my first over went for went for two or something at him, and I knew that I knew at that point he was going to try and whack me the over after, and I knew it was either going to be six or a wicket. Um, so yeah, when it when it went straight up in the air, it was pretty <laughs> pretty happy. I bet you were because Liam Livingston's the kind of bloke, isn't he? You can smash you for a one hundred and ten meter six, let alone yeah. just an eighty meter one. He has absolutely just leathered spin bowlers in the past. And in terms of your figures from that night, Alex, I've got to ask: Do you remember what they were from your four overs? Yeah, I, it would have been what, four overs, one for twenty, one for twenty-seven, one for twenty-eight, somewhere in there, I reckon, maybe twenty-seven. Spot on. One for 27. (laughs) Fair play. Living up to the cricket badger credentials right there. Yeah, one for for 27. Cracking knowledge, that. So less than seven and over on debut. I mean, just, I know obviously after the game you would have been disappointed because it was a loss. But in terms of the emotions after that game, you've just been out there for your debut. You bowled really well. You've got the massive wicket of Liam Livingston. What was it like back in, in the hotel or if you took the team bus back straight to Northampton. I'm not sure what, what the travel itinerary would have been for that night, but in the immediate moments after that game, did it take some time to, to sink in almost? Yeah, I, it was mad after the game. Um, like my phone was just blowing up, like WhatsApps and stuff. And yeah, like Twitter, everything. And I just, I just remember like, it took me a while for it to like settle in mass, like massively. I remember some of the boys went out for dinner after I just stayed in the hotel because I was like, I, could, I was just like, I need to sit down here. Like I need to lie down. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty mad. Like coming off the pitch after that. Um, just, yeah, it didn't, it definitely didn't sink in at first. Like I, I remember just like walking off and sitting down as if like nothing had happened. And then maybe like half an hour later, then suddenly I was like, oh, like Vash done pretty well there. Um, that's probably when it started to actually sink in. I was going to say, it's a massive wicket, isn't it? I mean, any wicket is special. But you've gone to England International, a guy who plays in the IPL and the Big Bashans, single-handedly demolishes bowling attacks, and he's your first wicket. You've always got that for the rest of your life. And obviously, it was televised on the live stream, wasn't it? So there you go. Always got that clip to send to your mates in the future. You can say I got (laughs) Liam Livingston out with with my first wicket in county cricket. And in terms of that night, in terms of the, the emotions, the feelings surrounding that, Alex, would you say that's been the highlights of your time in Northamptonshire so far, or has something surpassed it in the year that's followed? Because you've gone on to make your county championship debut. You've taken your first fifer in the county championship. You've had a number of memorable performances for the East Midlands County in the months that have followed. So would you say that was your highlight so far, or has something else surpassed it in the months that have followed? Um, yeah, I'd say probably probably the highlight of my career so far would be my, my first fifer. Um, to six for against Kent, um, which was in I think would, would have been my second was it my second game yeah I think my second game um, that that was probably the highlight for me because the the game at Old Trafford um, my parents didn't come and watch because I told them I didn't think I'd be playing um, whereas the Kent game they were there for day two was it day two yeah I think they, they so they were there for day two which was the day where I got the wicket um so that yeah that that was probably be the proudest moment that's always been like my dream 
take a county championship five obviously div one as well um and sort of walking off with the match ball um was probably yeah i'd say that that's probably the highlight of my career so far Fair enough, and it was a lovely moment, wasn't it? Six for 175 in that game against Kent at Wantage Road. Your first ever Fifer in professional cricket. Again, it's a moment, it's a memory, which will last for an entire lifetime. And you mentioned that match ball. Have you still got that, or is that yeah. somewhere else? Where, where is the <laughs> the Fifer ball, shall we say? Yeah, no, I've I've got it in my room. Uh, I've got like a, a shelf of all my, my Fifer balls from Northampton and Gloucester and stuff. Um but I actually, I got given two balls because Lids Bowling got me my, the ball from where I got my first. So I played at Hampshire and bowled nicely, but didn't get a wicket because um, we, we ended up losing by anything. So I only bowled on, on day one. Um, I think I bowled like maybe 14, 15 overs and, and bowled quite nicely, but didn't get a wicket. So in that game, my, obviously the first wicket was my first, first last wicket. So I got the ball from that and then um, and then obviously kept the ball from from the from the sixth bar. Which I got got in my room, which is nice. Yeah, so I'll probably look after that. I was going to say, put it in a frame or something. Keep yeah. it, keep <laughs> it for the future. Keep it in a nice condition. No, fair enough, mate. And again, it was wonderful to see. It, it really was. You know, I always like seeing young leg spinners in county cricket achieving those feats, those milestones, and you know, just affecting games, taking wickets, because that's exactly what we want to see. And you know, it's great to see so many leg spinners in county cricket right now who are taking wickets consistently, whether it's in the Championship, whether it's the One Day Cup, or indeed in the T20 Blast. But aside from the highlights, Alex, I've got to ask, because cricket, unfortunately, isn't just a game of positives. As much as it would be fantastic if it was, and you could always take fifers and hat-tricks and have these match-winning moments. And unfortunately, cricket isn't like that, is it? It's not all sunshine and rainbows. You do have peaks and troughs. And I wanted to ask, even though it is very early days, in your first 11 cricketing journey, what do you say has been the toughest moments from your time at the East Midlands County so far? Yeah, there's there's definitely been a couple. Um, one, of, one of the toughest for me was the, the week after the Kent game, we played Middlesex. Um, and we I think we expected that wicket to be a bit of a spinning one. We rocked up and it was really green. Um, and uh, so I, I missed out the game after. Um, just because the wicket looked so green, and obviously we had um, we had a couple of seamers to come back in, um, and we were we wanted to pick an extra batter on on a greener wicket. Um, so that, although obviously was was the right decision tactically, like that was that was pretty tough um, missing out on that. Um, and then probably another one I had a tough tough game at Old Trafford um, in the last round of the championship. Um, which we we played on a spinning wicket, and um, they they played me really really well, and that that was hard. Um, that's probably the toughest toughest game I've I've played in. Um, most of my spell bowling at Jennings and Wells, who were just like they were reverse sweeping and hitting me straight, uh, and it was tough because I felt like I actually landed the ball really really nicely, um, and they they ended up just playing me really well. Um, just found all the gaps and stuff. So that that was. That was probably the toughest sort on the pitch moment I've had. Like, probably made me realise pretty quickly how just how good Division One cricket is, um, regardless of how much rough there is, and regardless of how well you're bowling. Like, these guys are serious players and can hit you, can hit your best ball anywhere. Um, so that that was definitely the hardest the hardest moment for me. It was bowling at those two, Old Trafford. That was tough. 
Well, just to touch upon that, because we did mention earlier about almost having that tenacity and that fortitude as a leg spinner, let's say on a day where things aren't going your way, how did you maintain your composure in that game? Because let's say that you are bowling well, and let's say that absolutely everything is just getting dispatched, and you do have two guys there in Jennings and Wells, excellent operators, right? Jennings, former test cricketer, Luke Wells, a consummate county professional, done it for years for Sussex, and now does it consistently for Lancashire. Again, how do you keep your call in that? Because you do just have these days in cricket and it is a very cruel sport at times when wherever and whatever you do on the cricket field just doesn't seem to work, does it? So how did you feel motivated, I suppose, in that game to just keep coming back and trying to force a breakthrough? Yeah, it, it was it was hard. I mean, I, I felt from ball one to the last ball that I bowled, I felt in the game, like I felt I could have got a wicket, like... I mean, the boys said to me, chance pretty much every over. Um, I mean, there was like reverse sweeps that were bouncing and going off the back of the bat for four. There was catches that were going like runs. They were running down the wicket and were were going short mid off, short mid on, or like lobbing over their heads. Had a drop catch, extra cover, drop catch mid off. Like so, the whole the whole time I was like, I feel I felt like I was going to get a wicket, which kept me motivated because I was like, I could literally feel like I could get a wicket any ball here. Um, but yeah, I, the whole time I felt like I felt like I could have got I could have got a wicket, and then as I said, like if I'd have got one on a wicket like that, could have got could have got three or four. Um, so that, but that's almost what made it made it more tricky. To be fair, um, the fact that like I felt like I was creating chances and not getting wickets, and still going for a boundary and over, um, which which probably made it even more frustrating. I think. Sometimes when you, when you bowl badly and, and you get whacked, you kind of just like, well, I bowl badly today. Was was it in that situation where I felt like I'd actually bowled exactly how I wanted to bowl, and you've ended up going numb for hundred and whatever? That can almost make it more 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 tricky. I think that can make it more frustrating, um, and can actually make it harder to keep plugging away because you're like, well, it's just not gonna <laughs> it's not gonna be my day today, which is kind of what what that felt like there. So yeah, that that was that was tough. But then again, just, just touching upon that, it's going to happen, isn't it? If you're going to have a long career in cricket, you are just going to have those days. You're going to have some wonderful days as well when you do take fivers and you do affect the game in, in a very positive way. But at times you're going to be left frustrated. And I'll tell you what, as a spinner, it really is accelerated, isn't it? It's accentuated in opposed to seam bowlers, I think, because there is such a spotlight on you to create that pressure when, let's say, the new ball has died and you need to get that breakthrough and things just don't happen. I imagine it must be incredibly frustrating. And Alex, before we discuss upon the the future and we, we wrap up today's episode of the podcast, which I've got to say, I've thoroughly enjoyed. I've loved this as a, as a fan of spin bowling. But in terms of, of this season, obviously it's been a very rough run for North Ants, right? And I just wanted to touch upon the, the relationship between the team and social media, because let's face it, in any sports, right, when results don't go your way, you do sometimes get abuse, you do get a lot of criticism, and at times social media can be a very nasty and toxic place. I mean, I've had plenty of cricketers come on this podcast who have said that they don't have the greatest relationship with social media in particular, with Twitter, because they do get a lot of criticism and, and abuse directed at them. So in terms of, of your relationship with social media, how would you describe that over the course of your journey so far? Yeah, it, it can be hard. Um, it can be hard, especially when, obviously as a team like results for us probably haven't gone haven't gone quite how we would have liked um and obviously you know north hands of the club we got a lot of 
like really positive and supportive fans. Um, but the same with probably probably any club. There's a few fans that do that do um do moan on social media and 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 will will criticise players and stuff. I mean, I think the way I was I always think about it is is probably three or four people who um like sort of coaches and stuff that that I'll trust their opinion on on bowling, batting, whatever. Um, you know the people on social media that, that say these things probably aren't the most aren't the most educated of of cricket cricket people in general like they they obviously aren't aren't massively educated on cricket um and and obviously yeah I, th- I think all of us have found it tricky at, at times getting criticized um but obviously that I, I guess that's just the nature of professional sport you've got a lot of people watching you and a lot of people um wanting wanting the team to do well and, and when they don't do well I think it's it's quite easy for them to go to social media. Um, so I, I'd say probably a lot of the boys this year have, have struggled a little bit with that. Um, but we know we know deep down like how hard we're working and and all the things we're doing like behind the scenes and um, to try and try and put some some good performances in. Um, but it can certainly can be tricky at times to um, kind of look past that. I mean, there's definitely times after games where we've all just not looked at our phones because we know there's going to be going to be quite a lot on Twitter and stuff. So we've just gotten that. We're just not even going to look because um, it, it doesn't really do much good scrolling through the Twitter and Facebook comments sometimes. Um, whereas other times when, when, we, when we've done well, it can be actually a really good thing, like scrolling through and seeing, you know, the praise people have been giving us and saying how well we've done can, can be good for your confidence as well. So I think it's just like managing it, managing it accordingly, I suppose. Absolutely, because social media is a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because yeah. you do have that positivity and you do have lots of, of happiness, I suppose, at times when things go well. But on the flip side, when things are going badly, as I said, it can be a very toxic place, in particular Twitter. Goodness yeah. me, we've had a lot of criticists come on here say that, that Twitter's the bad one, in particular the DMs. Goodness me, I don't know yeah. what it is about Twitter DMs, but yeah, that just brings out the, the worst in people, to be honest, yeah. when it comes to, to sport in general. But I suppose, Alex, just one final thing about social media. You mentioned there about, let's say, after a bad game, that you and the lads just don't check social media at all. What advice would you give to any young up-and-coming cricketers, seeing as you're living this right now yeah. in the age of social media? What advice would you give to them when things aren't going well? Would you just say that, you know, ignore your phone, turn all notifications off? How would you deal with the pressures associated with social media? Yeah, it is tricky because, obviously, there is that temptation Um there is that temptation to look at. I think it's just like, if you feel like you're strong enough to, to look at it and just go, oh, well, these people don't, clearly don't know that much about cricket or, or how hard professional cricket can be. Then, you know, if you, if you're able to manage that, then you can, you can look through it. But if you feel like you're someone that is going to read through that and that's going to upset you and that's going to affect you, it probably is best at times just to, just to completely ignore it. Um, Some, some of our lads have, have just sort of tried to see like the more funny side of it um that's obviously a way of dealing with it um i think just it i think it's just about understanding that that these these people probably aren't aren't your true fans at your club they're not the people that are supporting you they're just obviously there to try and try and wind some people up and try and get some reactions um so yeah i guess it's just how you manage it really um would would be my advice if you feel like you can you can deal with it or not would probably depend on on whether you'd have a look after a game i suppose 
Absolutely. And it's also, it's important to differentiate between criticism and abuse, isn't it? Because as you mentioned, there are true fans and there are very passionate people who want the club to succeed and they want performances to improve and they probably will be critical, but at the same time, you know that they love the club, but it's the, it's the other people, isn't it? I suppose it's the, well, the social media trolls, isn't it? Let's face it, the people who don't support Northants at all, who come in, they see a moment of weakness, they prey on it. So yeah, it's a, a fine balancing act, isn't it? But yeah. as I said, in the age of social media, it's the nature of the beast and you do have to find a way to to counteract those issues associated with it. So yeah, I think a healthy one, as you said, just choose an attitude that you're going to have, whether it yeah. is a case of you turn it in a positive direction, you have a laugh about it, or if it is a case of it's getting you down, you've just got to shut it down, haven't you? You've just got to look away and yeah, just turn off your phone for a bit, to be honest, and just trust the process. It's the only thing that you really can do. But talking of the future, Alex, to end on a much brighter, more positive note, let's have a look at the end of the season and, of course, the years beyond, because Super September is around the corner. The county championship is coming to a thrilling conclusion. Obviously, there's lots to play for. There really is in the county championship. And to be honest, survival is still very much up for grabs for Northampton in this year's competition. So in terms of the immediate future, what are your goals and aspirations in the game of cricket, Alex, heading into the rest of this summer and, of course, the years that follow? Yeah, obviously, um, yeah, trying to stay up for us is massive. Um, we got we got four tough games coming up and um, I, I, I want to try and play a bigger part in that as I can. Um, obviously, wicket, wickets might spin this time of year um, and if I can if I can contribute to helping us try and win these these last few games, um, that's that's kind of my main aim is trying to prepare and, and make myself as as ready as possible if I do do get selected for these last few games. Um, and if I'm not selected, just trying to do everything I can to help the boys, help the boys try and get some results. Um, like we know we know it's going to be tough um, these these last four games. Uh, you know we got we got some of the best sides in the division coming up. Um, but for us, yeah, survival is is, is still very much possible. Um, and I think we've got a good enough side to do that. So I think we just need to make sure that we're we're ready to go. And, and yeah, if I can play a role in that, I'm going to make sure that I'm ready. And um, hopefully I can put in some performances if, if selected. Well, fingers crossed you do get selected, Alex, because it, it's a mouth-watering time of the season, isn't it, to be yeah. honest? Yeah. Four massive games, you've got the opportunity to completely flip the script, change the narrative of this season so again it's also a very exciting time of the year and to be honest division one it's just going to be absolute chaos isn't it it always is this time of year (laughs) you know that there's always some surprise results just look back at last season with my county of warwickshire who on earth would have thought that liam norwell would take nine for 62 on the very last day of the season i certainly didn't and you (laughs) never know this is the great thing about the championship it's never over until it's over and that is the attitude that's the mentality that you've got to possess heading into this dogfight in September. And in terms of, of the 2023 season, and I suppose the years that follow Alex, just from an individual perspective, before we wrap up the podcast, what are your aims? Because I think for a lot of players, obviously international cricket is the absolute ultimate, but have you got anything else on your mind? Any other dreams, any other goals, any aspirations, which you'd like to achieve heading into the next few years per se? Yeah, I think for me, mass, like I want to be a massive part of our Four day, four day cricket. Um, I think probably my my goal at the moment is to try and be a match winning spinner consistently. Um, obviously, I've shown that I can do it. Uh, I can bowl that way. 
on occasions now for me I want to I want to try and do it consistently um and and try and become good enough so I can play on any wicket um and and play every game rather than I suppose at, at the minute where I'm I'm sort of coming in on flatter or more more dry wickets I want to try and be so good that I can play on any wicket um and I I want to take as many fivers as I can um I love taking fivers so I want to take as many fivers as I can um and and obviously the goal is to eventually try and play for England, um, more on the long term. But yeah, the short term goals would be try and become a regular part of our team, in in all formats, um, and then try try and keep going my batting. I want to really develop my batting and get my batting to a point where I can try and bat in the top eight. Um, which is it's been a bit of a work in progress, but I want to keep developing that, keep working on that. Um, and you know, because my, my fielding was a goal that I had at the start of the year and I've, I've managed to improve my fielding quite a lot over the course of winter and this year so try and get my batting up to where my fielding is now would be would be probably the next goal and yeah just play as much first team cricket as I can um, that's, that's probably my my short term goals really over the next couple of years at, at North End Well Alex it goes without saying but obviously myself and everybody associated with the County Cricket Podcast are wishing yourself and North Ants all the very best of luck not just in, in Super September but heading into the years that follow as well, because even though it has been a rough season for the club across formats, I think things haven't quite gone as as the club would have wanted to. But there's promise there, there's talents at that club, and I've absolutely no doubt that things will turn around heading into the 2024 season and beyond. So a very exciting time at the club at the same time. And yeah, just wishing you all the very best of luck, mate. As I said, I've been very impressed, not just with the championship stuff, but obviously watching your edge bastard as well, bowling well against our lads. It was an absolute pleasure. So, yeah, wishing you all the best of luck, mate, with your batting, your bowling and your fielding heading into the years that follow. But that is essentially it from us two here at the Counter Cricket Podcast for tonight's episode. Alex, just before we say our final goodbyes for the recording, do you have anything to plug or promote? Any social media channels, websites, businesses, anything like that? No, 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 I, I don't know. Um, all good, I think. Yeah, all good. Excellent. Humble and modest at the same time. It is, <laughs> is podcast tradition to leave at least the Twitter or Instagram. So we'll leave one of, if not both of those, in the podcast description below. So, folks, if you want to go and give Alex a follow, check out his cricketing story and his journey. Please feel free to do so in your own time. But that is it from us two here at the Counter Cricket Podcast for tonight's episode. So each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you ever so much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the next one.